Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I'm Jack Kennedy, alongside my great co-hosts, Mace Martinez and Keila McNamara. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. We have a lot to talk about, a lot about upcoming fights, and at the end, three fights we're most look forward, looking forward to seeing um, by the end of, or not by the end of the year, but just by whenever they're scheduled. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, now, this is a completely rumored fight. This is not a f- official or anything. This is just heavily rumored to happen. What do you guys make of it? Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa. So for me, I don't like this fight. And one reason is this this is a number one contender fight. It would have to be, right? Uh, I would think so. And in my opinion, Costa doesn't deserve to be in a number one contender fight. Like, Adesanya just embarrassed him. And is a win over Whitaker really going to prove that he's ready to fight Izzy again? Uh, not in my opinion, no. Um, Whitaker being the number one contender, you know, uh, this being a number one contender fight for Whitaker is what I like about it more than anything. Obviously, he's already the number one guy in the division, but uh, I think a while back Dana said something about, and we, we talked about it on here about Whitaker needing another win or two, which we really didn't agree with. That we think Whitaker's ready for the the title shot again. Um, but obviously we're not the president of the promotion. Uh, if this happens on point for Whitaker, obviously, I mean, he just beat Till and, and Cannoneer. So a filler fight uh, to kill some time until Adesanya gets his fight over with, with, with Dion at, at light heavyweight. And I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate to see Costa pull this off somehow and then get Izzy again and get embarrassed again. I think Whitaker needs a shot at the title uh, again. And, yeah, so I really don't like this fight. Um, but if it happens, I'm going with uh, with Whitaker. Yeah, um, I actually share the exact same concerns that Mace has just outlined. Um, whenever I first heard the rumors of this fight a few weeks ago, it kind of made me reflect on the state of the middleweight division currently. And part of me starting to become a tad concerned that it's almost becoming like 205 when John Jones was running through or 125 with Demetrius Johnson. I'm starting to become a tad concerned that the division's becoming so thin and out and there's such a gap between the, the guy holding the strap and the best of the rest that guys now are only having to win one or two fights and then they're getting thrown back into the title picture. And I'm, I think that's what's happening with Paulo Costa here. Um, the outcome of this fight only really makes sense long-term if one outcome happens, and that is Bobby Knuckles winning. And, um, you know, I believe if I had to pick one guy or the other to go up against Adesanya tomorrow, it would be Bobby, not just because he's got really impressive wins recently over Darren Till and going further back, but he's shown more of an ability to adapt and fight his opponents fight very well. As for Paulo Costa, you know, he was given, he was on a very good run. He did get a deserved title shot. He went up against Adesanya, talked a hell of a lot of smoke and, you know, he got smashed within two rounds and Adesanya didn't break a sweat. So, if Costa does win this, and again, like Mace said, we're reasonably assuming this is a number one contender eliminator. If Costa wins this and he goes up against Adesanya and gets smoked again, then it kind of seems like a big waste of time in my eyes because it's just the same recycling of what we've already seen before. Now, if Whitaker does win, 
the fight, as I said, makes a lot more sense. I think he gives a better account of himself the second time than the first against Adesanya. But on the whole, I don't have a great feeling about this fight. This division needs some new blood at the top. We need guys who are going to give the champion a better, like a tougher matchup. And it's almost why I'm going to throw a couple of different names out there just to go a little left field. It's why I'd love to see someone like Darren Till get comfortable in the division, throw a few fights together. A big, tall, strong southpaw could well be the antidote to Adesanya's absolutely ridiculous kickboxing. Obviously, that remains to be seen in the future, but it's what I would like to see. But sticking to what we believe is going to happen, I don't get a fantastic feeling about it. I would like to see Whitaker win and challenge again, but that's the only real angle of interest I would approach it from, largely similar to Mace here. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said there, both of you guys. I mean, for Robert Whitaker, what more could he have done? He's more than earned his spot uh, for that title shot. Um, just being Cannoneer, and that was a crazy fight because Cannoneer has been on so much momentum. And Robert Whitaker looks amazing. The best I think he's looked for a while. He's been able to take some time off and really reinvent himself. He looks good to go. Um, Paulo Costa is dangerous for everybody. That's why I'm nervous about it. I do think Robert Whitaker should be able to beat Paulo Costa, but it's MMA. Anything could happen, and Paulo Costa is game every single fight, which which is what makes me a little bit nervous. Um, Robert Whitaker, I, I think, in, in in an ideal situation, would love to wait this out, wait for the champ. But I think Israel Adesanya in the UFC has almost forced its hand here because he's going up to 205. He's going to challenge uh, Jan Blokovic, and that really puts the division on hold. I think if I'm Robert Whitaker, I'm almost protesting for a uh, an interim belt on the line at least. Um, for this fight so it's not just like oh it's another number one contender fight um because i do think he's more than earned his spot there dangerous fight uh if robert if robert whitaker wins this i mean what more could you say and this is the danger of having a guy waiting here we've seen this max holloway uh he was in the clogged division for a long time and he beat out pretty much every single person in that top contender portion then became champion it's like who do we put him up against? He's already beat all of the contenders. So they could be facing another situation here with Robert Whitaker because he's waiting in the clogged division, is sitting and waiting and facing everybody else in the division and just winning. So I think the UFC kind of wants to avoid that. But if if is is if, if uh I don't really know if Israel Adesanya wins, he's probably gonna stay at 205, and you might just have to make that at least at least the interim belt. So if I'm if I'm Robert Whitaker, that's what I'm looking for, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see. That's 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 just my takeaway on it right now. And I know that Teo, I think it, that's in the works for him to fight Marvin Vittori. So yes, that's another yeah. guy that can hopefully get up there in the mix and make that's things right, interesting. Yeah. I know he's taken the champ five rounds before, so I think if he gets up there again, uh, you know, one eighty five will be interesting again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a real headache for Dana and Sean Shelby. Because no matter what way you try and spin this, it is just a real nightmare. Adesanya has pretty much cleaned out the, most of the top dogs in the yeah. division anyway. So really, where do you go from here? I think, Jack, you make actually a really interesting point about having an interim belt on the line. I think that's one angle that makes this fight more sensible, just in terms of the narrative of the division as a whole, as well as the fight that you're promoting. 
But yeah, I think I think we've pretty much covered the difficulties of this very well. And um, you know, every guy that you can put up against Adesanya, he's pretty much beat convincingly. And the only real way I see this division coming unstuck is if Adesanya goes up to two hundred five and stays there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, completely agree. All right, let's move on to the next piece of news. And this one, I believe, is confirmed, or at least almost confirmed, for UFC 260. Tyron Woodley is back. He is not retiring, and he's facing a very tough Vicente Luque. What are you guys thinking about this fight for uh, Tyron Woodley? I like this fight, man, as a whole top 10 welterweights. And I think it's a good opportunity for Woodley to kind of get his feet back underneath him, you know, considering the, the, the last three fights that he's had. Uh, he didn't look like himself, and that's just facts. Uh, at one point, he's on track uh, being, becoming the greatest welterweight champion of all time, maybe just greatest 170-pounder ever. Um, and and then, you know, he ran into Usman and, and got work. But hopefully he can rebound, revive his career uh, using this one because in, in a time when, you know, the cuts are coming for the UFC, you, you don't want to be someone who just lost their fourth fight in a row. Uh, and, and obviously Woodley isn't as young as he as he used to be. He's a little bit older, and actually he's probably 36, 37, if not older. Um, so he de- definitely needs a win on the, uh, in this fight. As far as for Luke, it goes, it's a big opportunity, you know, a chance to move up the rankings. Uh, you're getting to, test him, getting to test himself against a guy with major championship experience. Like, uh, like, like I just said, Woodley was one of the, the greatest champions that division's seen. So, uh a big win over Woodley and Luke is going to move up in the rankings for sure. Uh, he'd be considered a contender and then, you know, start getting the shots at these top five guys. I think Woodley is what? Seven. I believe, I, Luke there, yeah. is right there in the top 10. I think he's number nine. So yeah, one over Woodley and you're definitely getting a shot at a top five guy. And then, you know, then you're talk, talking title opportunities. I love this fight. I think this is so, so interesting, not just in terms of the personal narrative of Tyron Woodley, but for the division, again, as a whole. Um, Mace makes an excellent point in providing the background for this. Tyron Woodley was very much on his way to being arguably the most dominant welterweight champion we've ever seen. Then along came a man called Kamaru Usman, who completely ripped his soul out of his body. You know, you could argue nearly every round was a 10-8 round that fight. And when have we ever seen an incumbent champion lose like that? Then, then even worse for Woodley, you have a man who's broken and then you, you have a Burns who comes along and shatters what little was left already. You know, if anything, did an even worse number on Woodley than Usman did. 10-8 mm. round, nearly every round. I think it was the third or the fourth could even have been a 10 7. Yeah. This, this is the damage that we're talking about here. And this is Tyron Woodley. Like, this is elite caliber championship material that we're talking about. So, I actually think Woodley's in somewhat of a comparable position to Conor McGregor at 155. I think he has to figure out where his head's at, how, how much he wants this, and how much he's willing to put into this to get back into the game properly. Because a part of me wonders whether Woodley still thinks this is 2016-17, where he was the top dog of the mountain and there were guys who weren't really looking close to getting to him. Pretty much every spot from 1 to 10 is a killer in this division now. 
And Vicente Luque's got a real good opportunity to take a very decent scalp. You know, Tyron Woodley's um, he's a unique commodity, not just in welterweight division, but in every division, because he's in a really, really bad run of form, yet he's still a very respected scalp to have. And I love Vicente Luque's fighting style. I love his Muay Thai. I love his pressure. And I think he's going to execute that to very, very good effect against Woodley. The real interesting part of this is how does Woodley respond? Because the last two times he's been pressured dominantly, he's completely crumbled and fallen apart. You know, yeah. he's barely thrown a punch or a kick. And if Luke does this again, you know, what do we see from Tyron Woodley? Do we see another limp attempt at coming back? So if Luke wins this fight, I think this is, I think he's solidified a top five fight next. As May said, I think he makes an excellent point. If he wins this, you know, his stock goes up about 50, 60% from what it is already. And his stock is already very highly rated. As for Woodley, if he manages to pull a win out of this and he manages to look even remotely like the old Tyron Woodley, then he is back in the game here. Because in a division dominated with world, world-class wrestlers, let's not forget Woodley's a world-class wrestler. Yep. Yep. If he can get his mojo back and he can get the fire rekindled inside, he could be a problem for a lot of these guys who now think he's finished. So I'm expecting a really, really good fight here. I think the impact from this fight is going to be quite cataclysmic. Because I think so many people are going to sleep on this. They don't realize what implications this actually has for everyone else at 170. So I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be a banger. Yeah, that's actually where I was going to start. The implication for this fight is in- enormous. Uh, if, In my opinion, if Tyron Woodley loses this one, he's lost, what, 15 rounds in a row? Convincing rounds in a row? Usman, uh, Burns, and then Covington worked him as well. Mm-hmm. Um and he lost every single round, which is crazy. I thought he, he fought Usman and then lost, right? And then his first fight back is against Burns, who's a good wrestler, good all-around fighter. So that that uh, that's understandable. But then Colby Covington, who he already has extreme beef with, I thought he was going to let it go. I thought he was actually going to start throwing. He threw like so five punches in that fight. Exactly, yeah. Just like the, the two fights before that. It, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, Vicente Luque is in my opinion right now, uh, considered a very, very tough guy at 170, but not one of the guys that's in contention for a title shot. If he wins this, well, he's right in there. He, he gets uh, a couple more fights, and then he's right there. So this is massive for both guys. Tyron Woodley loses this. I don't know where he goes, um, especially in the way he loses as well. I, I don't know. It's so tough. This might be a win or nothing situation uh, for, for, for Tyron Woodley. Um, just I'm just thinking this, this stage in his career right now. I, I don't really see a way unless he wants to fight lower ranked guys, but you have to really climb your way back if you lose this fight uh, and, and three fights in a row you've dropped as well. So this is all or nothing for Tyron Woodley, in my opinion. And Vicente Luque, great opportunity to fight. One of the greatest 170 fighters of all time is Tyron Woodley. You get to make a huge name for yourself. It's going to be a great fight. Um, I'm just... My biggest takeaway is, and I think maybe the reason Tyron Woodley and why we might see him start open up right now, one, because I think his 
UFC career is on the line. But the other thing is he's fought three really good wrestlers in a row. And Tyron Woodley is a really great wrestler as well. Whenever he was a contender, an up-and-coming contender, he would really bring the fight to the guys, even up until the Robbie Lawler fight whenever he became champion. Um, he would use his wrestling offensively and, and, and throw punches and everything to win, to actually try and knock people out. I felt whenever he become the, became the champion, uh, besides Darren Till, even in that fight, he doesn't really advance anymore. He would kind of just sit back against the cage, defend the yep. takedown, land a couple punches, and win. Definitely. It was effective. It was effective. But now that he's not the champion anymore and he's facing these top guys, hungry guys, that style does not work because it's even in the five round fight, you're hungrier than you. And, and that style, you can't just sit back. Three wrestlers in a row. I, I don't feel like he's that confident with his wrestling whenever he's facing another confident wrestler. That's what that was my biggest takeaway. Um, and in the fight that really proved that for me was the Colby Covington fight because the two guys before that. You're shocked that you lost. Okay, take a fight to recover from that, just like uh, Nganu, Derek Lewis. Like that fight, you just write it off because Nganu was not mentally right for that fight because he had just lost the title. That's kind of what I thought. And then Colby Covington, oh, everybody's, they're talking trash to each other the entire time, and then you go in there, and it's the exact same thing. So if he goes out there against Vicente Luque and doesn't let it go, then I know it's not the wrestler's thing, and in my opinion, there's no more excuses there, and he's just – it's unfortunate he's going to be in the UFC Hall of Fame, but that's kind of a wrap for his UFC career, in my opinion. But if he goes out there and let it goes, lets it lets it lets it go, then there is a lot of hope for him because then he can learn to use his wrestling offensively again, um, realize that he's going to be in, in a dogfight with these guys. It's going to be super competitive, but start to get that confidence back. Tyron really needs to land a solid punch, which he hasn't really done for three fights in a row now. He needs to land a jab or anything, a leg kick or anything get some confidence and no matter what way win this fight. And then I think he, with that confidence, he could kind of gain some momentum and get going. That's just kind of what I'm thinking on this. Yeah. He's got to do something. I mean, he's done nothing. Yeah. Fight, so he's got to do something. So maybe he needs to walk out to that song from frozen. Let it go. Maybe because <laughs> if he doesn't let go, he's going to be let go from the UFC. And you're talking a 38 year old declining welterweight on a four fight loss streak four fight losing streak that's prime real estate for bill tournament right there but that's where he's headed yes, to get the is. job done yes, it okay, is. okay i think yeah um whenever i saw the colby covington fight i like you both said i thought right okay woodley's fought a monster newsman a monster in burns this is going to be the fight that gets his ass going now. This is what gets his fire yeah. back. He comes back and he, I not even win, but to throw, to show me something. And the fact that he went out so limp against a man with whom he shares so much animosity, that concerned me deeply. Because if this man won't throw against Covington, who is he going to throw against? Yeah, exactly. What's it going to be to get the old Tyron Woodley back out? So... I think you hit the nail on the head, Jack. I think this really is make or break for Tyron Woodley. This is his last chance at bat. If he gets struck out, he's not getting another chance at this because there are a lot of young guys coming up now, not just in welterweight, but in all divisions, but especially in a stacked division like welterweight. There are a lot of sharks coming up and Woodley needs to either fire or get out of the way because not only is he going to keep adding losses to his record, but he might get seriously hurt in the process. 
that being said, if he does come out and he manages to land something good early, then who knows where it goes from there. But this really is it for Woodley. This is his last chance, make no mistake about it. He's already gotten more chances than a lot of guys have gotten before. He doesn't get another one. If he loses, I think he goes to either Bellator or PFL because just one to 10 is too stacked right now. And he really has to make a name out here. He's got to show us something. If not, it's curtains for Tyron Woodley. Completely agree. That's an excellent point, what he said. I I didn't even consider that. His hatred for, for Covington... Couldn't, couldn't get him to throw. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you can find it in yourself to knock out, to try to knock out a guy like that, I mean, I'd say that the, the Covington and, and Woodley rivalry is on the same level as Covington and Usman, Covington yeah. and Mazzini. Yeah, I would. They're yeah. not friendly whatsoever. So that's an excellent point. If he couldn't find that fight to let go and at least try to score something, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to see how he's going to figure that out against Vicente Luque. Yeah. My thing that you mentioned too, Keelan, which was brilliant, was that division is so stacked right now that you can't have a guy that's just kind of hanging on there because he was a legend in that division. It's just there's so many top to bottom. You recognize every single name as a killer. I mean, there's, it's just so stacked and it's almost too clogged right now. Even if Vicente Luque wins, he puts himself in a better position. And then other years, I think he's wondered, like maybe one fight away from a title. But you put maybe two or three fights away from a title with all of the craziness that's, that's going on in that division and everything. So definitely make a break for Tyron Woodley. But whoever wins this fight, they're still going to have to crawl away to the top. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. All right. Now, on to our final piece of news, and I am very disappointed that we have this on here. However, unfortunately, it is one of the biggest stories in combat sports right now. Ben Askren is going to be fighting Jake Paul, the YouTube boxer dude. Uh, what are you guys thinking about this? So I never thought I'd hear that, that, that Jake Paul, Jake Paul's name is on one of the biggest combat sporting events going right now. Um like you meant, like you said, I really thought we'd never mention this clown on, on our podcast, but I guess because he's fighting Ben Askren and Ben Askren is MMA, uh, that, that we can let it slide, I guess. But this is his actual fight against somebody with professional fighting experience. Before that, it was another YouTuber and 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 then Nate Robinson, who was a former MMA <laughs> player. So uh, at least he's getting in there with somebody who knows – kind of what they're doing, who, who's put on a pair of gloves before. Um, Askren, Askren's wrestling is no joke. His hands, however, less than average, in my opinion. I just hope he can somehow knock this dude out or, or, or just score a win over him so we can stop hearing from this clown. I mean, they're obviously starting to, trying to start all the drama with McGregor and, and, and getting personal and his wife and all, all this crap. It's just ridiculous. And this kid's making a mockery of the sport of boxing, in my opinion. It's it's just absurd. Him and his brother, and I know they put in the work. They don't. They don't. They don't take any shortcuts when it comes to putting in the work. But to be fighting the people they're fighting and and, and going about it the way they're going about it, I mean, now he's calling out Nate Diaz. He wants to fight Nate Diaz. So, and you know, with Connor and Nate, which is kind of crazy to consider, with Connor and Nate, if it makes money, it makes sense. And Connor kind of alluded to that when he spoke with Aaron Hawani. Yeah, or Okamoto, one of them, and said, you know, I don't know about that right now. That's on the back burner. But, hey, I respect them for getting in there. And if it makes money, he's got a good following, then maybe sometime down the line. So 
maybe Jake Paul's onto something a little bit. Him and him and Logan Paul. Obviously, Logan Paul's gonna fight Mayweather apparently. Yeah, that, I don't know. They're, how that they're onto something. They're they're drawing this attention somehow, and and I think it's money for these other guys who are stepping in there. These Paul brothers are gonna get seriously hurt if they're able to continue pulling off victories against. Like if he pulls off a victory against Askren, there's no way in hell Logan Paul's beating Floyd Mayweather. That's just not gonna happen. But if if Jake Paul is to beat Askren and then he he's able to get somebody else who's maybe a little bit more talented and get him beat, and eventually someone's gonna step in there and knock this dude out. And that's what I hope happens. And, and that way this guy can just go away because this is crazy, man. It's it's insane. I can't believe we're talking about him. I'm done talking about him on this podcast. Yeah. Words completely fail me that we are talking about Jacob Paul on this podcast. This is a dark day for the combat sports community. I know. This is a new low for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try and keep this as PC as possible. (laughs) I I, I don't need legal issues. But, you know, what can you say about this? You know, Jake Paul has fought a YouTuber called the Nissan Gibb who ran out hand down for two rounds well a round and chased him like a chicken around a ring in Miami <laughs> no hand no defense up got knocked down three times the fight was stopped Jake thought he was the best thing ever he then fought a retired basketball player who's like five foot eight who has never been in a ring before in his life and has never been in a fight in his life and Jake thinks he's the best thing ever um I mean, I can, from a business standpoint, I understand where he's going with it. He's trying to add a name to his resume of boxing, but why? And you know, I have a lot of respect for Ben Oscar. This man's an amazing wrestler, world champion at one fighting. I'm pretty sure he's an NCAA Division One wrestler too but categorically the worst boxing in mixed martial arts today. You know, whenever he fought Demi and Maya, I think it was in Singapore, I was watching that fight live. And that is the, I'm not, I'm honestly not being funny. It was the worst striking exchanges I've ever seen. The spinning back fist clip, yeah. Spinning back fist, running forward, trying to jab. I mean, I don't even know anymore. (laughs) But... You know, this fight's just another circus from from Jake Paul. You know, the thing that upsets me about this more than anything is that Jake probably is going to win. He's probably going to catch Askren on the chin and he's going to think he's a world champion or something like that. And one of the things that hurts about this more than anything is the amount of brilliant young amateurs this has taken the spotlight off of. Kids who have come up from nothing, who grind and grind every day to be the best. And these two fools come in and steal the spotlight that they've earned just for throwing money at people to let their clowns. And, you know, as we said at the beginning of this segment, I never thought we'd be talking about Jake Paul in this. And I'm almost kind of sad that we are. But what he's doing is he's taking names from MMA and baiting the community in to make it relevant. You know, I just think this is absolutely ridiculous. 
his brother Logan fighting Floyd's even more stupid. But Paul, the sorry, Floyd's just an idiot anyway. All Floyd cares about is a paycheck. He'll fight any circus act that comes his way that he can add to his record. You know, Tenshin Nasakawa two years ago took away his best ability. It was meant to be, I believe the original rules were like a round kickboxing around boxing. He took this man's best skills away from him, then, you know, went around laughing, acting like he was the best thing going. And I'm honestly fed up with these two getting their time. You know, I know we kind of have to talk about it because it is an MMA news circulation. But I'm I am honestly upset at the amount of our time this is getting because Boxing is an amazing sport. You know, the discipline and the ringmanship and the generalship that you need, the skill, the heart, the grit. I just think this is spitting on all of that. I think this has gone beyond a joke now and it's just insulting. And, you know, if Jake wins and Logan wins, they're going to think they're the best thing ever. And what I really want is a good young amateur or or at least a professional to put these two in their place. Because, and you know, I don't mean to get too angry about it or anything, yes. but it is insulting now. Like these two are calling out Conor McGregor. All right, Conor has his issues. But, you know, the levels of disrespect that this man's going to, to try and get a cheap fight with Conor, the people he's insulting. And quite frankly, there's members of our own community who aren't helping this either. Like Dylan Dennis calling this man out, giving him our space and giving him our time. McGregor's um, sparring partner that Jake called out too, feeding this man's ego and giving him even more relevance. You know, just I'm, I'm not watching this fight. You know, I'm sure you two are probably the same. I'm not giving this client any more credit than he's already got. I think this is a complete another disdainful mockery of a fantastic sport. Yes, uh, I don't, there's not much you can say. I, I hated that we had to talk about this, but the thing is, this is one of the biggest things that's being talked about right now, and it's the stupidest thing ever. It, I know I can already feel the tension right now because it makes all of us so angry to see it because it's this guy who's fought no one. He, he hasn't fought anyone. He's not only he, is he ruining the sport of boxing, right? Which boxing is ama- an amazing sport. The history of boxing is incredible. Uh, it, it's it's I'm one of the biggest sports events. Like before the UFC, that was the only feeling you could get comparable to it was watching a boxing fight. And there's still elite boxers out there. Great amateurs. There's still great boxing fights. Um, I love watching uh, all, all of the big heavyweights go at Anthony Joshua, um, obviously Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. That That's awesome. I love that. What this is doing, though, and the fact that this is trending more than that is insulting. It's disrespectful. And the way they carry themselves, just like you said, like they are world champions when they have – who have they fought? Logan Paul can't even win, and he's getting uh, Floyd Mayweather. He couldn't even beat the chaos KSI dude, which is so what, – what even is that? The, the weight classes for that don't even make any sense. I'm not talking about that anymore. Jake Paul – is I can't I can't follow him and I cringe every single time I have to see a stupid MMA thing repost one of his videos because I'm like why are you giving this guy anything um and I'm equally as upset at uh, Dylan Dennis uh, really Ben Askren 
anybody that's feeding into this guy. I love Connor, and the, uh, I, I have so much respect for him because he won't even say his name. He really won't even acknowledge it unless he was that one time completely directly addressed it, and he didn't even say his name, which is the way to do it. This guy's a joke. Don't say that. What he's saying about MMA is completely disrespectful, and it doesn't make any sense either. He's like, there's, there's no, he said something like, there's no art to MMA or whatever. And it's just like, he said something about Ben Askren, like, whenever you're in there, you can't just hide and shoot your little takedown. How is that hiding? How about in boxing, whenever Floyd fought Connor, he turned his back and put his hands like there. If you were in a real fight, you would get killed. What are you doing? This is so stupid. And to even say that, to address that, just, it makes me so upset. And uh, I, 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 I just, I hate it so much. And, Ben Askren's going to lose, and that's the stupidest thing ever. Jake Paul is going to beat Ben Askren, and then it's like, oh, your MMA guy just lost, to, just lost to Jake Paul, and all the people that don't know anything about combat sports are going to be like, no way, Jake Paul just beat someone that's somewhat relevant. Oh, it's so stupid. If he fights anybody, I think Dylan Danis might even be a more competitive fight, and Dylan Danis has no stand-up at all either. Um, Nate Diaz, if he works his way up to there, Nate, Nate Diaz would slap him up. So... I don't know if that would happen. I don't want to see him getting more fights. I hope Ben Askren somehow goes out there throws that stupid spinning back fist and it lands and knocks him out cold. I don't know. I'm praying for that. I hate this so much. Hate that he's getting this stuff. I think we're all done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like, like Keelan said, Floyd's Floyd's after the way this this is a money grab for Askren as well. Yes, it is. I don't think Askren thinks he's going to go in there and beat this kid because uh, this kid can box. He's not on a, on a pro level at all, but he can box. Askren cannot, but he knows there's going to be eyes on this and it's going to make money. I think this is Askren's way of grabbing a big payday that he wasn't able to get in the UFC, you know, frankly. So just uh, it's just a joke, man. I'm just going to offer one final thought and I will leave, I'll leave everybody with us. I'll leave you too. And I will leave our viewership with us as well. Boxing is an amazing sport. It's been around for centuries. It's one of the purest mixed martial arts that we have. The levels of respect that we all have for the guys that get into the ring, you know, I really don't need to expound on that. For all of our viewers, especially those perhaps who aren't into boxing yet or who are too young to remember some who have gone before, look up guys like Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns. Look up Irish Mickey Ward and Arturo. Gotti, any of those three fights especially round nine and you will see what boxing is truly about it's about passion it's about heart it's about looking a man in the eye seeing who's better in the most respectful way possible and shaking his hand at the end of it these two are complete fools who are getting our time they shouldn't be and they're they're spitting on the legacy and the image of what the sport's all about and I'm even more disappointed that members of our own community are buying into this BS. Guys, like, like I don't know if you guys have seen this. Jorge Masvidal yeah. oh. sparring with this fool. This is not helping the cause. This is only making it worse. This guy pretending he's hard, acting like he's doing something good. All he's doing is making the sport of boxing horrible. He's making it a joke. He's making it a laugh. And like Jack alluded to, these 12-year-old antics of, oh, I beat your boy in MMA. Boxing's better. I matter. Ha, 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 ha. I've met 12-year-olds that are more mature than Jake. To be fair, Logan, 
Logan at least is a little bit more mature and a tad more respectful. But this tool, I think we've said everything we need to say about him. And hopefully that's the last time I ever have to talk about him. Yeah, completely agree. I'm just going to say real quick, step in the octagon if you're really uh, that confident. Step in the octagon. Go go to the UFC. See what, see what you're really made of. Yeah, you're All right. a wrestler. Let's see how bad you really want to. Or even just a, a, even a half decent guy that could stand up on the feet. Anyone in the UFC that could stand up on the fight, uh, on the feet, go go fight uh, Jake Paul. I don't think he could take a shot in those four ounce gloves. I don't think he could take a jab. Like Connor said before, a decent gust of wind, and this boy will do the chicken dance with four ounce gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get past that. Now we're on to a good segment. That's done. We got everything out. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about three fights we are really excited to see upcoming on the UFC schedule. Mace, what are you thinking? So this will be my, my third fight. My number three would be yeah. Francis and Stipe. That's yes. a big fight. I have that at number three. Uh, it's a massive fight. Obviously, the rematch between these two. Francis trying to get the belt. Uh, Miocic successful the first time around. Stipe is the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. Uh, that's, that's without question. Uh, what excites me about this fight the most is that John Jones is lurking yeah. and going to get the winner of this bout. Now, I think Stipe is going to take Nganu again. I think he's going to get the win. Whether it's by knockout or decision, I really don't care. He's going to get the W. And then I want to see him and Jones go at it. In my opinion, Jones is probably going to take care of business in that fight. But the, the implications if Stipe was to somehow beat John Jones – He's not only the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, he's probably the greatest fighter of all time, period. And I know you've said that several times, Jack, so that's what makes that fight so interesting. That's what that's what makes this fight interesting for me because of what's to come afterward. Yep. Uh, my number two fight would be Jan Blakowicz and, and Israel Adesanya, and that, again, involves John Jones. I think that Adesanya is going to go in there and get the job done. As long as he can avoid the, the Polish power, I think he'll be successful. Um and then I want to see the attempt that Izzy makes to get John Jones back to 205 so they can fight. Um, and if at that time Jones is holding the heavyweight title and is able to drop back down and regain the light heavyweight title from Adesanya, Adesanya would be undefeated at that point still. Um, then, you know, then there really is no question about John Jones being the greatest of all time. So uh, you got two guys there in Stipe and Jones that are trying to solidify themselves and they can do it in, in a couple of different ways. Um, and then the number one fight I'm looking forward to is Volkanovski and Ortega. And, yeah. and that reason being that, that reason is also because of what's to come afterward. I feel, I think Holloway with his performance the other night against uh, Calvin Cater is undeniably next in line for a title shot. There should not be any question whatsoever. Um, no. He looked incredible. I feel very strongly that Max beat Volkanovski the second time around. Um, I, I can't, I don't think there's anybody that can convince me that that did not happen. Um, so I feel like Max should be the champion right now. Obviously he's not, he's going to get the winner of this fight. I think the winner of this fight is Ortega. Um, Brian Ortega improved so much after that Holloway beat down his, his stand-up game looks incredible. It's it's, I wouldn't say it's elite, but it is a lot better than what it was when he fought Max. Um, so I definitely think Ortega is going to win that fight against Volkanovski. I think that he can do some damage on the feet. I think eventually Volkanovski is going to try to use his wrestling, I would assume, and that just going to play 
right into the hands yep. of Brian Ortega. I think he opens himself yeah. up for submission there. Obviously, Ortega's uh, jiu-jitsu game is second to none. I don't think there's anybody better. Um, so, And then we get Ortega and Holloway after that. And, and like I mentioned before, at that time, we'll be able to see just how much Ortega has has improved. And I, I still think Max gets the bill back. And like I said before, everything at 145 will be back in order the way it, it should have stayed. And Max is the greatest featherweight of all time, you know, so he needs that belt. And, and if, he, if he keeps looking the way he did the other night, he'll keep that belt for a long, long time. Yep. So I'm excited for that one the most. Right. Fight number three for me. And we're going from the biggest man in the company to the smallest. We're going to 125. Davidson, Figueredo, and Cody Garbrandt for the title. Ooh. Going a little left field here. All right. Davidson, Figueredo, to me, is the most lethal flyweight we've seen since Mighty Mouse. This, this guy's only 125 pounds, and he punches like a lightweight. Like those those Joseph Benavidez fights were tough were at times tough for me to watch just because of how goddamn good this man's boxing is. And his wrestling is no joke either. Enter Cody Garbrandt, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. UFC 217 against Dominic Cruz, I think is undoubtedly on the Mount Rushmore almost of all time great individual performances against a dominant sitting champion. You know, boxing that we've never seen, mind games we've never seen. And, you know, his resume speaks for itself. The only person who's ever beat Cody Garbrandt is Cody Garbrandt. Is Matt, when his head's in the right place, I don't, I can't think of anyone that stops him. Going down to 125, this is such an interesting fight. It's very, very different to when Dillashaw went down to fight Cejudo. These are two guys who are going to meet in the middle of that octagon, and they are going to slug it out until one man falls and one man remains. And these two guys are both lightweight punchers. You know, Cody Garban's knockout of Rafael Asal is was arguably oh, yeah. the knockout of the year last year. That movement slip in the shot left him unconscious for a good two minutes. This is how hard this man punches. Add Davidson Figueredo into that mix and you have fireworks. So I cannot wait for that. That fight's going to happen and I will be watching it. Fight number two, we are going back up to the heavyweight division and we are going back to Stipe Miocic and John Jones. Now, I'm basing this on the assumption that Stipe does what he did in the first fight against Ngannou and pretty much ragdolls him. Get this gets this fight to the ground and Ngannou cannot get up again. I see a late stoppage or a decision again for Miocic in that fight. What an interesting dynamic John Bones Jones is at heavyweight. Really, ever since the rampage Rashad Evans days, we have wanted to see Jones go up to heavyweight and test himself against the bigger boys. And I think he's finally going to do that. This fight is so, so interesting for so many different reasons. Two guys who have very, very good stand-up. Stipe's a Golden Glove winner from Ohio. You know, his boxing is probably the best out of anyone in that division. No one manages distance the way John Jones does. No one has a better physical advantage reach-wise than John Jones. He's able to hit and get out of the way. His Muay Thai, second to none, 
when this does event inevitably get into clinching against the cage, John is going to be a very, very big test for Stipe. Not only will he be able to wriggle and get out of most exchanges, but some of those knees Stipe is going to have to be aware of and the spinning elbows and the hooks. Yeah. So I see this just being two whirling tornadoes meeting. And I just think this is going to be, I think this has the potential to be the best heavyweight title fight, arguably of all time. But since Junior DeSantos and Cain Velasquez, these are the levels we are talking about with John Jones. In many people's eyes, I would also make the argument of him being the GOAT in terms of his skills, in terms of this man's athleticism, we have the greatest heavyweight champion of all time in Stipe Miocic. I don't think anyone would deny him that at all. And I just think this is just a killer fight. I think the viewership this is going to get is going to be off the charts, and it truly will be the baddest man on the planet. And number one for me, again, similar to Mace, (laughs) unfortunately, Mace and me think along very similar lines, if you couldn't tell, Israel Adesanya and John Jones. This is the super fight that everybody wants to see. It's the super fight I want to see. I'm sure it's the super fight you guys want to see as well. Um, For those of you, again, I alluded to this man earlier, for those of you who don't know in boxing, Israel Adesanya, physique-wise, reminds me a lot of a man called Tommy the Hitman Hearns, uh, a.k.a. the Motor City Cobra, one of the best middleweights of all time. I won't get into all of his fights. The reason he reminds me so much is the physique. Like Hearns, Adesanya's got very long arms, and he's very naturally ripped, but he's very slender, so he can jump up and down and wait pretty much as he pleases without having to worry about cutting. I mean, the man already fights at 183, really, instead of 185. So going up in weight's never going to be an issue for him. He walks around 185, 190 anyway. And I think this is the only fight that Jones comes back down for. This is the only fight that he will attempt to make that weight cut for because like with Woodlane Covington, which we alluded to earlier, these two guys don't like each other. These two guys, I do believe, want to have a good scrap and fight it out in the middle of the octagon. And I think inevitably this is going to happen. And again, the narrative for this just writes itself. Adesanya, 205 champion. Jones, arguably, you could make the point heavyweight champion. If this works out well, champion versus champion super fight. How often does this come along? And with the skill sets of these two fighters... Adesanya, Anderson Silva 2.0 in my eyes. John Jones, one of the most all-around naturally gifted fighters we've ever seen. You know, that doesn't need a tagline. That fight just is the fight itself. And that's the fight I'm most excited to see. Yeah, so this is actually great. We all kind of had different fights here. Usually we're thinking on like the same pages, but we're kind of all over the place here. I love it. My number three, and I'm, I'm very excited about this. I... First off, and before people say, why don't you have this on your list? I don't have Jan Blakovic versus Israel Adesanya on my list, but it's just to mix it up. It's just to mix it up. So I have a different top three, but it's just to mix it up. So starting with my third one that I'm most excited for, Aljamain Sterling versus uh, Peter Jan. That fight is awesome. 135 championship on the line. We really get to see what Peter Jan's all about. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, long, long overdue his title shot. He's been there, done that 
earned it more than anyone else in that division. Um, we'll get to see what both guys are made of, but especially, in my opinion, Piotr Jan, who looked a little shaky in the first couple of rounds against Josie Aldo. Obviously, the rest of the fight was dominant, but um, <laughs> yeah. Alderman Sterling pre- pre- presents a, a different style. It's one of the trickiest styles in that division that anyone has to offer. And I think he has a legit case that he could beat Piotr Piotr Jan. Um, He kind of fights a little bit stiff, and Aljamain Sterling is all over the place. He's longer, uh, longer legs. If this fight does go to the clinch situations, which it it will at some point, I think Aljamain Sterling has a big advantage there if he can dodge the blows of Piotr Jan. And if he gets it to the ground, that's uh, that's Aljamain Sterling's world down there. So uh, especially with Matt Serra in his corner, one of the best hype coaches in the UFC. I love that Iaquinta Kevin Lee fight going into the fifth round. You could just hear Matt Sarah hyping him up. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I want to go fight that fifth round right now too. So um, one of the best coaches uh, and obviously elite, that's why his ground game is so good as well. Training with yeah. some of the most elite guys. So if anyone's ready for it, Aljamain and Sterling will be ready for it long overdue. I'm so excited to see this. We get to see what Piotr Jan's all about. It's going to be fantastic. I think it has potential to be one of the most exciting action packed 135 pound uh, fights you'll ever see. So I'm so excited for that. So that's my number three. Um, number two, and we all have, we all had a heavyweight fight on here. Stipe and Ganyu too. Mace had this one. I think this is the only overlapping fight we have, which is pretty cool. Um, Stipe and Ganyu too. I have this on here. I, I don't know. I, I love Stipe. He's obviously already the greatest of all time heavyweight. Um, there's so many, just like Mace said, and, and obviously Keelan said as well. John Jones is, is waiting. Whoever wins this gets John Jones. We get to see what John Jones is made of at heavyweight. How big is he? He's, he looks big in his Instagram and like all the, all the posts he's making and everything. He looks pretty big. How does he carry that? 240 right now? 240. I, I said, I think he said he was going for like 255 or something. I think he said he was trying to get really big, which is crazy to think about. Um, how does he carry all of that? Especially against another guy like Steve, eh? whenever he's moving everything. That's not the fight I'm talking about. But let's go ahead. Stipe and Ganyu too. And Ganyu, it looks just even more terrifying than he was on his first tear in the UFC. I think Ganyu will be champion at some point in this uh, heavyweight division. Once everything pans out, he just has too much power. He looks so good. Only the elite of the elite can challenge Ganyu. Everyone else, he is knocked out cold. One shot from Ganyu, doesn't matter who you are. Stipe, John Jones, you're going out. You're going to sleep. The question is, can Nganyu not gas himself out and uh, and work against the greatest heavyweight of all time, Stipe Miocic? I think it's crazy. I think Nganyu is still the rematch, uh, which is crazy to think about when, when you see what Stipe's done. Um, but, I mean, I, it, it makes sense to me why the odds are close. And I don't think this is going to be... I'm, I don't know. I'm nervous for this fight because I, 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 I don't have anything against Nganu and I, I love him and I, I do want to see him be champion one day. But right now, whenever it's Stipe's time and his prime and everything, I want to see that Stipe Jones fight. I think just the IQ level of those guys and everything would just be amazing. But Nganu was just so dangerous. Every single time I st- see him step in there, he just fought Jorginho Rosenstruck, who looked unbeatable. He knocked out Andre Olovsky with a jab. He's been knocking out guys left and right. And Ganyu went in there, chin up, walked forward like a madman, landed one, and knocked him out cold. Yeah, yep. No one does that. No one does that. Oh, he lands one shot, one clean uppercut against Stipe. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. But crazy fight. Obviously, that's going to 
have a huge uh, fight week. I forget what's uh, the coming the coming event for that is Volkanovski Ortega. That's going to be a crazy pay per view. I, I am so excited for that. Um, so that's good stuff. Looking forward to that's my number two fight. Number one, and this is just pure stylistic matchup because I think he poses the greatest threat to his title reign. I'm going to go Usman Burns for my number one fight. I'm looking forward to a bit of an odd one, but I just think out of anyone that he's fought in recent times, other than Colby Covington, I don't think, I think Colby Covington, if you rematch him again, that'd be an interesting fight, but Burns has looked so good. They're obviously former, we're training went to it. Burns looks like he's he's completely put all of that aside. Called him out after the post fight thing, so he's ready to go. I don't think he's even going to be thinking about that. Uh, Usman looked unbeatable, a uh, bit lackluster in his performances as of late, but he's going to have to fight against Burns because Burns is going to bring the pressure to him. Takedown, I don't think is going to be that big of a factor. So it's really going to be how much can Usman dominate the clinch one and dominate the striking, which I think Burns might have the advantage in the striking after what we just saw him do to Tyron Woodley, dropped them like three times in that fight so i am so excited just stylistically just everything about this fight you really can't go wrong with any of the fights we've said not every that that's that's the beauty of the ufc right now there are so many good fights to be made and we didn't even reach the horizon of how many good fights are scheduled or are being talked about but it's just so exciting you can't go wrong with any of the fights and right yeah after a challenging year in 20 20 i mean you're talking about all these fights and, and they're not even you're not even a quarter of the way through the year and all these fights take place oh, it's uh we're just getting started 2021 should be a good one in all weight divisions yep well i mean everybody who's watching this look at the fights that all of us have just listed we've gone from the biggest men to literally the smallest and there's every single thing in between that 2021 i think is going to be one of the biggest years in the ufc's history 2020, of course, we all know how horrible it's been. It's impacted everyone. And even though Dana, to his credit, has been able to keep the machine rolling, of course, it's never going to be the same. But 2021, there are about three or four big fights in every single division that I could rattle off right now. In fact, it could probably be a four-hour conversation in itself (laughs) that we know were coming. So I am so, so excited. Guys have improved levels. People are going to give such better accounts of themselves. And, you know, like Jack said, no matter what way you spin this, you cannot go wrong with any of these fights. Absolutely. Well, we this was an awesome podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, obviously, like and subscribe on YouTube. We are on MMA Island TV. Uh, obviously, listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We are there. We have a big podcast coming up Monday. Stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and go ahead, check us out on Instagram. Sorry, I forgot about that part. MMA Island and our uh, website, MMAisland.net. We do great work there as well. Thank you guys so much for listening again. And great podcast, guys. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.